we had a pitch night once, and then some of the speakers, you know, they're really, they have an interesting story to tell. And we typically find some speakers they can draw the attention. They're really animated, and they're really, you know, great speakers, great at delivery. But when you actually listen, like carefully, deep down to what they are actually talking about, it's just a bunch of interesting things has no connection and no conclusion behind them. And they're they're interesting. They're absolutely interesting, but that's not a TED talk. Now, I feel like most people, at least once in your life, you've dreamed about standing on stage and giving a riveting TED talk to a packed live audience, a talk that's later watched by millions of people online. But do you know how a TED talk is actually conceived and developed to captivate and mesmerize audiences worldwide? Today, in the Elite Writers Lounge, we're very lucky to be joined by Della Dron, who runs TEDx events in the city of Sydney. I got to know Della really well after she invited me to coach her team of chosen TEDx speakers in the art of storytelling. And I found the experience of working with Della to be incredibly inspiring and fascinating, particularly observing the way she sculpted and chiseled each speaker's talk into a presentation that in the end was utterly enchanting and memorable. In fact, I recall watching a packed live audience in the pre-COVID era, listening in awe to the dozen or so talks that Della helped craft, each one possessing its own unique charm and beauty. But as you can probably guess, TED Talks don't always start out looking so professional and polished. It takes hard work, tremendous skill, an astounding dedication to bring each speaker's idea to fruition and to make their presentation sparkle. And today, we're going to get a rare insight into how that's done. Della, welcome to the Elite Writers Lounge. Oh, thank you, Shani. So great to be here. Now, almost everyone I know, Della, wants to do a TED Talk not only because it's a great way of marketing yourself or your personal brand, but also because it's seen as the pinnacle of one's public speaking career. I imagine you get tons of applications pitched to you each year for your TEDx event, right? It depends on if we're actively promoting, uh, if we were actively promoting it, uh, the application, we typically get quite a fair bit. I think um, we go about um, I guess over like a month or two months, we got 200 applications uh, for like 10 speakers, for a 10 speakers program. So that's the ratio uh, that we get. But sometimes even for 200 applications, we might not get even 10 speakers. We might need to do some outreach, uh, just go through our referrals to get some speakers to fill the slot. So the could be even 20 applications to one idea or even 30 or 50. So, so yeah. What do you find um, uh, is most wrong with the hundreds of ideas? Because you only pick a few each time, right? So what's the biggest mistake that you see when with these ideas? I think, you know, people, they don't understand ideas. For example, sometimes like uh, people think a fact that's an idea. For example, they think it is true, right? So for example, last year, a big topic we talk about men's mental health. And we all know that our oh, men's are going through, uh, they're going through a lot more struggle and that's not been seen or been heard uh, by day-to-day, you know, 
by day-to-day general public and people they say we should focus on listening to men's struggle and it's fact but it's not an idea so this is the a common pattern when people they pitch their idea you know they they raise something that is a topical issue is something that's really important but it's not necessarily classified as an idea ah, so what is classified as an idea so for those who i guess who are interested you know in doing a tedx talk uh, there's a specific uh classification on uh what is an idea there's a couple of things you know one is you know a big idea there's something absolutely brand new something that no one has heard of previously this is pretty unlikely uh that happens so i think there's typically some scientific uh scientific breakthrough uh, a new research i think they'll be classified as a big idea there's another thing called a small idea small but maybe a new perspective of looking at the old things so something for example one of my favorite ted talk um is how to wash your hands you know change the way you wash your hands and wipe your hands that can help reduce the paper use globally and there was a two minutes talk but it's a different perspective of doing the old things so that's a small idea right other ted talks could be a form of you know a, a, a technology demonstration so they can come on stage and do a demo of the tech um so for tedx sydney they have some uh, local uh, scientists to demo some of their new products. So that could be one way of doing a TEDx or TED Talk. Mm. The thing could be like an artist uh, statement. So we had an artist in 2017. Um, so come to talk about his series of work. And that happened for a lot of other TEDx organizers as well. So there's no, um, I guess, a ways of doing a TEDx talk or TED Talk. But I guess the idea is always you know, a different way of approaching things and different way to seeing things and the showcase to the audience. Right. And I think that's the key word. Isn't it? It's different. It's got, it's got to be something that hasn't been heard um, all the time. And I guess I'm guessing that you get a lot of pictures which are kind of cliched ones where it's really not saying anything new or offering any kind of new perspective, even on an old idea. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that's the... The, the struggle to finding speakers as well. And sometimes an idea could be really good uh, because the idea is not just about, it's not just about the idea and also the person. Yeah, we need someone that's an expert in the area. They need to have uh, some more authority or credibility to actually, to back up the idea. So it wouldn't sound that something that's fluffy, uh, something that you read off the internet. We need someone that's have certain authority to back it up. So sometimes we find speakers, uh, you know, pitches, they bring that idea. We think that's fascinating. But when we interview the potential speakers, we didn't find they are a good fit just because the background um, and also, I guess, the credibility. So I guess that's, that, that applies to ideas which are require some kind of specialized knowledge, right? Yes. Um, but then there are going to be other ideas which... You know, a person could just make a, I imagine, who could just make a, a case for something where they don't have to be an expert in it, but they're just making a really good argument. Would that also fly? Yes, I think that will also fly. But that argument has to be really strong and well articulated and in order to convince this, uh, the audience as well. So in, if you get, say, if you were to get 200 pitches, what percentage of them would be even worth looking at <laughs> so 
So we run it, I think for a lot of TEDx organizers, we do a very simple thing. We ask them to write uh, one sentence uh, statement of their idea. We find if those uh, people, those potential speakers, if they can summarize what they were trying to express into one sentence and a sentence that makes sense, those are that those are ideas that can potentially to be developed to a TEDx talk. That's why, you know, an idea is tangible and can be summarized with a strong statement. So those are the speakers that we uh, look out for because a good speaker is a good idea. Sometimes, you know, they they will have a really strong, they, they know how to summarize and deliver a really strong. Um, that, gives, that gives you an indication of how good they might be as a speaker. Yes. We will read through, our team will read through every single applications, even those are like, you know, super long summaries, talk about their entire life story. We still read through those and try to pick it up, you know, what the, what are they trying to tell us? Because uh, there might be an idea buried in there somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you just, you know, I think everyone has a has an idea. It just depends how you bring them out from the speakers and bring them out from their story. What we are looking for is something that is not, like, like I mentioned earlier, something's not just a fact something that has a strong argument, have a different way of seeing things, something has something that they have evidence to support that. Mm. So, so yeah, so that's how you decide whether an idea is worth spreading, which is what TED Talks are supposed to be. Um, now, once you've selected your people and you think, okay, this is potentially a good idea, I imagine that the actual talk at this stage is just at the very, very beginning. It's very rough. It's very crude. Um, how do you, what's the process for developing this idea um, after you've made your selection? I'm talking about just the, the logistics. So we have sort of like a coaching program. And I think that's where we, we were so lucky, you know, have you on board last year to run through uh, the coaching uh, program with our speakers. So it's sort of like a 12-week engagement that we work with them to get to know them a little bit deeper to understand, you know, where they come from, what's their story, what their personal or professional experience uh, to bring them to where they are today. And we're sometimes trying to understand how they arrived at the idea and what evidence, what informations and what argument they can bring to back up their idea. And sometimes the idea can change um, as well, or sometimes, um, we sometimes people they think an idea could be something they're super passionate about, but sometimes when we talk about uh, during the conversation I have with some certain speakers, I start discovering things that they're not so happy about, and we realize those things they're not happy about is actually the problem is. So one of the speaker, I reach out to her. She's so great, and I reach out to her initially just because out of curiosity, we talk about a topic that. Uh, I never heard of, like called music therapy. And I found that was really interesting. And then initially just I talk about how great music therapy is, talk about all the benefits. Mm -hmm. And I think during the 12 weeks, getting to know the speaker a lot more, start realizing, you know, the struggle that she has as a researcher, as a clinical practice, like practitioner, you know, the struggle that she faces uh, in the field, in the front line when it comes to music therapy. Yeah, I remember that talk. It was fantastic. Yeah. So really change um, the way we approach the talk. So what was the idea initially, I'm, if you remember? I mean, do you remember what was the initial angle on the talk? So initially, 
the topic we talk about is, I think that the idea was, you know, music has the power of healing, right? Mm. That's a really, um, it's just a simple statement that it's not even an idea yet, but just, you know, I find it interesting, you know, even we speak different languages, but music is the common language that can re, you know, we can, you know, we can understand like the rhythm, the music, we can just can feel the feelings, mm. you know, in the music so and then i start doing some research and i find it's a it's a proper profession and it's also a degree and the researcher and this different people working in the field to to use music therapy to help people so initially we just want to talk about uh music therapy like more really educational for our audience and then we talk about a little bit more and we start realizing you know the reason that music therapy is not being recognized probably because there's a misunderstanding from the audience and and you just start talking about the struggle of bringing more to more patients that might benefit from music therapists so the idea came up came out is a little bit around you know how do we allocate the medical resources as a society there's a different sickness we need to prioritize and music therapists is not has seen as something that is the the first go-to treatment plan. So it's really come down to how do we allocate different treatment, at what point we should bring this to to the patients. And we talk about equity in medical resources when it comes to that patient. Like at what point, you know, we say this patient, we can't help them. Because music therapist could be the last treatment for that person. And that's something that because people, they don't understand about music therapists, so they never thought about it. Yeah, because I remember, yeah, it was, it, was, it was completely new to me. And, and she used such great personal stories and colorful details, which really, uh, really supported and, and, and pushed the argument in a really powerful way. Yeah, that was my favorite talk. And I think it was so genuine and she's just so passionate about, you know, bringing music therapy to more people because I think she said that's a way to bring equality to patients you know to when it comes to uh, patients that with sickness and particularly sickness. strokes she was talking about right yeah, Stroke strokes, victims, yeah. yeah and it was just really powerful the way that she um, she brought out that idea and you know left us all just that idea just resonating with the entire audience and that's the real yeah. Uh, evidence that this is a really really good talk yeah and i think that's the time you know there's also is a way to show you know how much effort uh, a speaker they put into their talks because mm -hmm. i spend lots of time catching up with uh with a speaker about her talk and we change sort of like two three drafts and she practice every day and you can really see the effort that she put into it and how it turns out and i think it's it's all about, it's not just about an idea, it's all about execution and how much you're willing to invest your time to develop the idea a bit more, you know, push it a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I think that close, that talk was close to perfect. It was, and it was, yeah. it was really well delivered too. Um, once you get the, you know, once you start this process, you have the chat with the, with the, with the speaker, how many drafts typically does a, does a speech go through? Um, Depends. Um, so I think we have, uh, I think typical speaker, I think typically will be, we have three drafts. Um, so it was the first draft would typically two weeks after we 
uh, confirm the speaker and then we had to catch up with them and we sort of agree, you know, um, certain ideas, you know, couple angles and they can choose one and they would develop they would develop one draft and they would catch up again, like in two, three weeks time and we refine that and then two, three weeks later. So typically two, three to four drafts. Um, I do have a speaker that has eight drafts, which was a bit uh, challenging. The messages was just not clear if we have gone through eight drafts. And I think that's a little bit challenging when you get to that point uh, because it's a, I guess it's a sort of negotiation, a discussion with the speaker as well because sometimes the speaker, they're really, you know, they stay really strong with what they think is important for them. But the entire overall program, we sometimes have to, do the right thing for the audience because we can't bring a talk that even the organizer doesn't believe in it to the audience because I think that's not fair for those who decided to join the event to spend the day there. I think as an organizer, we have a responsibility for our Yeah, audience. so you have to set a certain standard and, and, and a certain idea of how these things um, have to look as well. So it's kind of like reminds me of when I was an editor at a, at a newspaper where the reporter has their own ideas and everything, but then I'm also charged with the responsibility of delivering a certain kind of product, and that's why they made me uh, an editor. And there's inevitably conflict and tension in that relationship, yes. right? Yes, it's a love and hate relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah, until the day, until it's all over and they're all happy because... Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good experience as well. I think it's 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 a negotiation with the speakers, and I think sometimes speakers they find they find different things about their stories as well. They never think of the way I would listen to the story because it's just very different. Because I think as an organizer and as you know, just curator or someone supporting their talk, we have to be really. I guess really objective about why we think good talk and why this is not good, because we can't just fit everything in into the talk. Because it's eighteen minutes, we need to bring the most valuable part of the speaker to our audience. And yeah, I imagine there's always going to be some speakers, even most speakers, who are resistant to some changes that you might recommend. How do you deal with that? Because yeah, for some people, these are really personal stories mm. um and I, I imagine there has to be a lot of diplomacy and tact yeah I, that's um well i think one one thing i'm lucky because i work in uh in a profession that requires me to negotiate every day What's that so profession? i work in i work in enterprise sales so i have to work with you know um i always have to have a difficult conversation <laughs> to tell people or um, so I'm pretty good at <laughs> telling people, so no, that's not good. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, we are trying to bring the best out of them. And I think they understand that as well. Uh, and sometimes having extra things that, you know, they, there's a different way to tell the story, but we want the best way to tell the story because being a TEDx speaker, it's, I wouldn't say it's once in a lifetime, but it's once in a very rare time. Because good speaker, once you speak, you have a good, you had a good session, good speaking session in one event, and people know about you, they will reach out again. But if you don't do it well at that particular event, people, they watch the talk, you know, they might not come back to you. 
I think for some students because they they're really they they just didn't want to make any change and and I respect that because that's very important um, for them as well. But I guess get to the point that we have to come to sort of compromise. We couldn't. We just cannot include them in the program.、Uh, so there have been times when you had to part ways with speakers even after you've selected them. Yeah. So we sort of we that's an option.、Um, so we just say you know if that's something that you don't think it's a good idea to change,、um, and we didn't think we don't think it's a good idea for this particular program,、uh, we still think you have a great story and great idea to share. Then maybe for the next event with a different theme. It could be more suitable. So there's no guarantee that if you're selected, that your your talk will actually be delivered. Well, most most of the time. Most of them are. <laughs> But it just you know get to a point that if the speaker they just you know they say there's no way they will change the way they tell the story,、mm. then because that we have rules and also ways of running a TEDx talk, and then I think that's why it makes the TEDx talk so unique because there's certain ways of doing the talk. You have to be 18 minutes. Long or eighteen minutes short, and you have the way that how you structure your idea. What is it in the classification definition of idea? Is very unified and strict from the TED Global Platform. Oh, I see. So you you actually following guidelines that are there from the the, the parent TED. Yes.、Um, ah, so so what kind of things do they say? I mean, I think you've mentioned some of the stuff, but how much in detail do they go go into? How many rules are there? They are actually quite、um, fair bit of rules, but I think it's just you know the length and also certain topics you are not allowed to talk about.、Uh, you can't promote any religious or political agenda, and so there's such、uh, I guess such、uh, guidelines. But overall, it's quite flexible because an idea has a, comes in different forms. So they're guidelines rather than strict rules, is it? Yeah, so there are guidelines, and I, I think we have to respect those guidelines. And also, I think sometimes it's very important to, as a local TEDx platform, I think it's very important to stand behind what we believe in. So we have to feature speakers that is relevant to our audience, that showcase the local issues,、um, the local ideas as well. So we will typically find speakers for us. We'll only find speakers locally. Um, so our platform name is TEDx Newtown. So we focus on the inner west region of Sydney.、Um, so there's a specific, very distinct culture of what the audience looks like. So we want to bring、um, the ideas relevant to the particular demographic and to that particular audience. So does each TEDx event that you run have an overriding theme, and what 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 has that been? How we arrived the theme? It was we found out all these speakers. One of the common thing they were doing, they are break, they are breaking the existing rules. They are breaking their personal boundary. They are breaking people's still like certain stereotype of what they do and who they are. And we want to encourage our audience to, you know, to take on those stories, to learn from them, to start trying to challenging the rules, the status quo. And start doing things differently.、Mm. So all the all the talks were connected by that kind of broad enough theme to to be able to interpret in different ways, right? Yes. So it has to be you know really broad that yeah even anyone any story can fit in. Yeah. Right. Right. But it gives it a kind of a sense of cohesion as well, which、yes. was really beautifully done. I thought、um, last time. Oh, thank you. <laughs>、um, 
in my work as a as a journalist uh, as an editor on a newspaper um it was really important that stories were well structured structure was a really important concept when we're putting together a story um is it the same with the TEDx talk well i think structure is very important in not just i think everywhere because a lot of people there's actually a TED talk to teach you how to do a TED talk so people always think that you have to there's a certain formula people i think people have their perception you talk about your personal story and you bring out your uh, learnings and you have a conclusion that's a structure it's quite common in a lot of talks but i guess that's one talk um one way how it work but it's sometimes limited what the speaker can do as well so there's some speakers they the entire talk was in when we get there you know we're doing the drafts is too much of their personal story that's not supporting the idea so we we have a structure um i guess the structure is how you you know introduce you know i think it it's more like how the first part will be okay some certain introductory items to lead to the idea second part is really trying to overhaul the idea what it is how do i get there what what does that mean for you and why it is important and the last bit would typically just how we can wrap it up you know to conclude the the idea so the some thinking for our audience so i think it's three big parts but you can slice each each section to different component uh-huh. and you can come you can back and forth coming to talk about introductory the idea you know and do some other different things in between yeah so it's not like a straight jacket but it's it's just a general i mean you need to keep the idea on track because the worst thing you can do in a ted talk is just to ramble on and people lose the plot right yes exactly and i think it's now people people's uh, attention they have like 4 minutes i think if the 4 minutes you can't even get them into what you're talking about i don't think it's going to be a successful talk right right so you need to get to the point even if you start with a an anecdote but that anecdote you know if it's if it's something kind of related but you have to you can't leave that going on for too long you people want to know where this is going right yeah yeah i think one of the yes i i i i totally agree i think one thing people they we had a pitch night once and then some of the speakers you know they're really they have a interesting story to tell mm. and we typically find people some some speakers they can draw the attention they're really animated and they're really you know great speakers great at delivery but when you actually uh listen like carefully deep down to what they are actually talking about it's just a bunch of interesting things has no connection and no conclusion behind them and and they they're interesting they're absolutely interesting but yeah. you know that's not a tech talk or I know what you mean and you put that brilliantly that's exactly right individually they're all interesting things that the person is saying but there's more to uh to a talk than just saying a bunch of interesting things it's got to hang together it's got to pull together it's got to start somewhere go somewhere and end somewhere right yes exactly it has to end somewhere and i think that's quite hard sometimes i think the ending ending part is quite challenging for a lot of speakers why is that i guess that comes to i typically i think that's one of the key challenge for when it come to the later stage of 
the preparation because you know we need to understand what the speaker is trying to do i remember what you say in one of your coaching set your coaching session with the speaker mm. with the speakers are you know what's their what are their intentions right mm. and the 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 closing part need to go back to that intention mm. so i sometimes find it is quite hard for the speakers you know to really relay back to their intentions because after they talk about their ideas what are they really trying to do? So the call to action or the conclusion, you know, it's really hard to summarize the intentions in a very strong and powerful way. Powerful way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And when they do it well, like in, in Tanya's one, which we talked about the, uh, the stroke victims and the music therapy, um, I love the way that she ended actually, uh, not with words, but with um, some music. Cause she talked about, she talked about, how this um, music therapy had helped this particular victim of a, of a stroke and, and had talked about this Coldplay theme which, uh, which, which had been used in his therapy. And then, um, and then she just ended with that particular uh, song played on a, on a piano um, uh, just to capture that tune. And then it just brought the whole thing, left us with a very emotional connection with the whole talk, right? Yeah, that was, you know, that was really beautiful. I watched the talk a couple of times after and every time I watched it, I started to cry and I messaged her so I started crying again <laughs> watching your talk. I think I cried on the on on the day. Yeah. Oh, my teared up because and and I mean and and not just because it was a beautiful story but because it was beautifully uh, orchestrated yes. as well. I was just like very moved by the performance and the and the, the beauty of the way the story was told yes. as well. And, and, and I think, yeah, really good talk. I mean, the really good talks from that day were ones that left you with a, with a strong feeling. And that's where, yeah, the, the intention behind the talk, the, 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 the information used to express that intention just come together in such a way that it moves you. And do you think that's an important part of what a, a TED, TEDx talk should be? Um, I, I think so to, to some extent because not every talk is emotional. We have this speaker, mm. uh, he talked about quantum computing. And then it's such a very complex topic uh, to talk about. And it's nothing emotional. And, you know, for example, everyone trying to bring their personal experience into the talk. He just went into directly what is quantum computing. Mm. He has done it in such amazing way that he, take, he took a different angle to talk about why quantum computing is important and it's really well articulated, well draft argument uh, about quantum computing and global, uh, the political environment, how they're going to change and why do we need that and what the political situation would look like if we start cooperating uh, research and development. And I would say there, Della, that, that for me, like, um, although you're right, the, the content wasn't emotionally delivered at all. But by the time that talk ended, what I was thinking about was the potential of quantum mechanics to, uh, sorry, quantum computing to, to contribute to world peace. And that was quite moving for me, because even though he didn't deliver it in that kind of way, it had, it had that powerful emotional content under, underlying it, which was basically his intention, but he just did it in a way that was very scientific and sober. Yes. So I think, um, I think going back to the question is, I think every TED talk will leave you something to think about. 
it can be emotionally or it can be something you know intellectual. Intellectual. Yeah. Mm. So it just make you think about you know something. You just learn something new, but it's not something new that's trivial. They can forget the next day by something that you wonder what you can do about it. It was great,、um, and and that reminds me. Like so, there is the writing side which we talked about, you know, putting the talk together, refining the script, and then there's the delivery part. Do you find that you know someone could be a great writer, but how much coaching do people need on the delivery? I do think a good script helps a lot. Uh, and I think different speakers have different way to prepare their delivery.、Um, one thing I want to highly, not actually, I think it's mandatory. Is actually you have to memorize your talk. A lot of speakers、mm. they say, "Oh, I don't need to write a script.、Um, I can get on the stage and I can prepare dot points and talk through it." <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. It, really- it doesn't. Doesn't work because you got really nervous because we will have filming crew, we have audience, and lots of other speakers. They have already memorized their talk and prepared days in, days out, and they have done so great on the day before you get on the stage. So the nerves will kick in. You will forget every dot points that you have, <laughs> and it's a challenge for、uh, to work with speakers. With such expectations, so we typically tell them that you know you have to memorize your talk.、Mm. You have to actually write down word for word what you want to talk about, and you actually can refine those wording because such different ways of using different words has different power when it comes to delivering or delivering the message. So I think the script is、uh, very important. But we do have、uh, you know coaches like yourself, and we have a different. Uh, we have a, a team of curator to read through the drafts. So we can give us some feedback. Yeah, yeah, I noticed. Yeah, because I came along to one of your. Yeah, you know, everyone gave their talk, and and all the other speakers were able to give their feedback to them, and that was a really good session, right? Because everyone had really good ideas, and not that everyone has to take on everything that's said, but but it just gives it them.、Um, I I know people emerged much more confident after that that session as well. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and I think、um, so. That's one. I think script is really important. Definitely memorize them. Trying to practice with friends and family, all the speakers who has memorized their talk completely, they did so well on the day.、Um, I guess coming to the delivery, you know, people might have this, I guess, misunderstanding or perception that you know. Speakers are typically more outspoken. They're loud, they're extrovert. But we sometimes、mm. find a slightly more introvert or reserved speakers. They they could they can definitely develop a really powerful talk. It's about you know the emotion they put to the way they talk, the tone they use, that really brings the power of the story, the power of the ideas out, rather than you know just being really bubbly on the stage. Yes, you have a、uh, speakers like that, you know, really bubbly, really charming, and they take everyone's attention, but it it doesn't have to be like that. So we have speakers that are just quiet and they just tell the story in a really calm, comforting、yeah. way, and that just make you believe whatever they say. That's a really great point because yeah, I noticed that yeah, some of the talks were you know they were very understated, but it was the perfect tone. For the material that they were delivering, and and that's something I would always try to advise the speakers as well is that your delivery is also part of your intention. So 
So you don't want to just sort of just mimic what someone else who gave a really great TED talk once on YouTube you saw and and you're trying to just copy that because you think that's what TED talk is. But you're staying true to your own intention and sometimes a more understated, sober, quiet talk is 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 more appropriate for what you're saying, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think it's about your intention also, about we need to stay authentic as a speaker as well. We don't have to be anyone else when you're on the stage because there's their stories. It should be the true, you know, themselves to tell the stories. Right. Um, we have this speaker. She's, I think she's really young. I can't remember how young she was, um, 16 or 15. Mm, yeah. Um, oh, I love this girl. And she's very polished when she starts doing a speech because she's been, I guess, been doing a lot of trainings, um, coachings when she doing in a, when she's in a public speaking um, environment. And I sometimes find that, you know, that's not her because the moment when I see, uh, when I saw how she talked to her mom, she's become, you know, a kid, just a normal 15 year girl <laughs> to her mom. And I said, why don't you just do the talk like the way you are talking to your mom? Right. And so I give her, that exercise of like, trying to read the talk to your mom, like how would you talk to her in a day-to-day basis? Like, you know, mom, I'm going to get lunch, like that kind of tone. And they make the whole talk a lot more, um, I guess, more comfortable. It sounds a lot more like herself. It's not something that we develop and give it to her to yeah. read it out loud. So it's just something that's really feels, that's her story. So if we're trying to bring back to, you know, just stay who you are, don't have to be uh, anyone else. Yeah, and I love that, that it's not, the focus is not on, on a be, you know, being a great performer in the sense of like, you know, trying to be a performer. You're trying to just articulate, the, it, the focus is on the idea itself. Yes, exactly. And we do have a performance on the day. So I always tell our speakers, that's not your job. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a really interesting point. I think we'll be encouraging to people listening is that, you know, it, it doesn't mean to, to, to stand up and say you want to do a TED talk. You don't have to see yourself as an extrovert who loves, um, you know, even, even someone who necessarily loves public speaking, right? It's just that you have something worth saying and you can say it in the way that's appropriate uh, to the message that you're delivering. You don't yeah. have to be an extrovert sort of person in order to apply to do a TED talk. Yeah, not at all. I think I don't think you need to be in any particular personality to do a TEDx talk. And people like the variety anyway, right? Because you don't want the same thing over and over again. You want to see different characters. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes, you know, different speakers with a different personality, we have a different audience. They can relate it to can relate to them. So yeah. so that's why, you know, we cater to a diverse profile of audience. So we have a diverse, you know, speaker crew for them as well mm. um, but on the other hand you know someone and i don't know if this has ever happened to you but what if somebody has a great message has a great script and everything but who just really isn't confident enough to speak i mean has that ever happened um that happened once so we did a salon uh so it's like a mini event that we can do talks in a particular topic. So for TEDx, you know, for example, TEDx Newtown 2020, we have to have a, a, a wide range of topics. So Salon is 
a smaller engagement with the community with the tailored topic. So we have this speaker. Um, he was doing, he did some interesting research in behavioral science and I read his research. And I think that's so interesting that need to showcase his work to, to the audience, but he doesn't want, he didn't want to do it. Uh, he just say, you know, it's good, but he's not interested in public speaking. So it was a strong, it was quite challenging to convince him that, you know, you can do this because he's very introvert. Mm. Uh, in compare in comparison to a lot of other speakers that we had uh, in the past, but I think what we had done is as organizer we provide a number of coaching session with him. Uh, his script it was really good. Like he wrote his script, um, and we barely change anything because he has a PhD degree, so he's really good at summarize ideas in a really concise way. So we didn't need to make any change to his script, but what we had to do is work with him uh, with audience. So we do a lot of practices together with the coach, uh, the speaker coach back then to help him to feel comfortable uh, talking in front of other people and also how you can feel comfortable. You know, your body language is how you can make sure you are comfortable just by changing the way you stand to change the way that you put your hand that was really helpful as well. So I think he did really great at the end. Uh, it was really interesting talk. Um, and I think he did it really, really well when it comes to delivery. So we did work with speakers that, you know, refuse, even refuse to do the talk, even they have a great story to tell. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. Uh, so we're still, you know, we're open to anyone who has a good story, a good idea. Uh, we're always here to support them because that's, you know, the, what is the platform all about, right? Bringing the local story that worth sharing to the audience that matter. Awesome. And um, what's your favorite uh, kind of new TEDx Newtown talk? Yeah, I th think we mentioned the music therapy one. So that one is uh, by Tanya. It's just so beautiful. And I also like uh, Joe's talk about how 3D printing can help to change a patient's, um, you know, to as part of the plastic surgery and what that means, you know, having the 3D planning technology and some of the struggle they're facing in the industry as well. Like we don't have, you know, engineers in the medical industry to support such development. And yeah, previous years, um, I... Oh, I couldn't remember the previous years. <laughs> okay, so there was um each year I have a, a favorite. Um, oh yes, I think uh the year before I, I really like this lady. She is a chief strategist for uh, a big retail company in Australia. So she talked about how human brain can um, help you know, has this unconscious bias and how our personality can trick us to make decision and talk about how corporate, how politician, they use such bias to trick mm -hmm. us into doing certain things. And we talk about ethics on, you know, for corporates to, you know, just by putting a yellow label for a discounted item that can trick you to buy more, you know, talk about mm -hmm. ethics around that as well. So that was really interesting. So we work, uh, she's a very outgoing 
person, really outgoing, very firm, assertive, different presentation style, but she is just full of energy and her talk, her idea is just really great. And she is in the space where she is an expert in what she was talking about. So to make the talk a lot more credible. as That sounds great. And where can people go to see? Can, is there anywhere online that people can find the talks that we've been talking about and see some of the work of TEDx Newtown? Yeah, so all the talks that we have done uh, can be found on uh, TEDx uh, YouTube channel. So there's a YouTube channel called TEDx Talks, or you can just search TEDx Newtown on the TED.com website and all the talks will come up. And how would they find the ones that we've talked about? Would they um, look for TEDx Newtown? Or? Yeah, I think if they search TEDx Newtown talks, I think that will pop up uh, quite mm. easily. Or they can, or they can search through, um, just search TEDx Newtown on TED.com, and there should be an event page with all the talks. Ah, awesome. Um, and beyond the TEDx Newtown, what's your favorite TEDx talk? Um, I talk about the one that how to wash your hand. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's really good. good. And yeah. also, there's another one that was a long time. I, it's done by a professor in Stanford University. Uh, so yeah. he is a five minutes talk about why we need to teach high school students calculus, like the importance of uh, mathematics. Oh. So that was a really short but really powerful message. And I think for the other ones, oh, I had this one. I really like it. I think just the way how um, it's a psychologist. I think his name is Guy, and he talked about how to overcome, uh, how to fix a broken heart. So I find it quite mm-hmm. interesting, and and it was really talk about healing. And I think, gone in especially in the COVID, a lot of people they feel you know they're going through grief, and it's a talk talk about how you can get through grief. A really actionable. Um, day-to-day items to help you to get through that and be positive um, afterwards. So there's a lots of lots of talks um, on the TED.com website, and I guess it depends on you know different time, different year. I watch different talks. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, if just finally, if someone wants to pitch a TEDx talk to to to, to you or to mm-hmm. any of the organizers. What's the process? Do you have to wait till you're taking entries or what What should people do if they're listening and they think, yeah, you know, I'd like to try my hand at a TEDx talk? Um, so it depends on uh, where you are. Um, so each city will have a local TEDx uh, event organizers and depends on, you know, what they're looking for. I think definitely can write them an email. Uh, just pitch your idea, ask them what's the next event uh, and you can start just pitching. And for how we do it, you can write us on to our email, just hello at tedxnewtime.com and we'll go through the selection process. So we don't particularly have a, like opening or closing date uh, mm. for ideas, um, but we always, you know, welcome ideas and applications. That's great. Thank you, Della, for sharing your insights with us. It's been a pleasure having you in the Elite Writers' Lounge today. And I'm sure if any aspiring TEDx speakers are out there listening, they're going to feel a lot better equipped to come up with a presentation that makes the cut. Thank you, Della, so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Shani. It's, uh, you know, it's an honor to be here. 
I'm Shani Raja and you've been listening to the Alchemy of Writing podcast. I have several online courses on Udemy and LinkedIn that teach you basically how to write with the style and flair of the best journalists in the world. For more details about my courses and to gain access to various free writing resources, please visit my website shaniraja.com.